I want to talk to you about this song. I, ha- I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The text today is in John chapter 4, the famous sequence of things with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And I'm going to read in the New American Standard Bible. I'm going to have it up on the screen if you didn't bring your Bible. If you have a different translation, it'll have a, some different perspectives on it, King James or New King James or whatever. But uh, this is a story about Jesus showing up his availability. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever felt like there's more to life than what you're living? Have you ever felt dry? Have you ever felt parched or felt a need? Um, Well, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says this about that. It says, God has set eternity in our hearts. He has made everything appropriate at its time And he has set eternity in our hearts. It says their heart. That means all of us. Now that was the son of David, Solomon. And Solomon, earlier in that book, starts out with vanity of vanities. All is vanity and striving after the wind. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the contrast of that son of David and Jesus, who's the son of David. Solomon had... Though the best of everything, a pedigree, uh, a warm home, lived in a palace, um, had so much abundance, and yet uh, he got due to his detachment and his pursuit of, of imbibing in other things. He looked for love in all the wrong places, like the famous country song from years ago. And um, he came up wanting, he came up empty. Uh, the word for vanity is a Hebrew word, hebel, and it means emptiness. It means something transitory and unsatisfactory. But I want to show that with Jesus, there's contrast. As you try to pursue fulfillment in other places, like the, like the songwriter, Bono, he, you know, he said, I, I, I've, I've climbed the highest mountain. I think of Sir Edmund Hillary, the, the New Zealander who, along with Tinsig Norgay, the... the Sherpa from Nepal, back in the 1950s, they were the first of the six, only 6,000 people to ever summit the highest mountain on the planet. Uh, Bono was basically at the height of his powers in 87, and uh, he said, I've run through the fields. So, you know, I tried, I tried the rural, and I've tried the suburban, and he said, I've even run and crawled and scaled these city walls, you know. A lot of millennials think if we move out of the suburbs and go into the inner city, we'll get better coffee, and that might be true. But we're chasing, a lot of us, a dream. And this guy was, as I said, you know, he, by his own admission, in the late 70s, he said in one month he met his bandmates. Actually, they went to a church in Ireland called Shalom. And um, three of the four of them were Christians, The Edge, Larry Mullen Jr., the drummer, and he put up the ad, I think, on the town bulletin board to get a singer, and then Bono. I was speaking to Mark Holland, who's been a professional musician his whole life, and he told me that he had a friend that told him that he picked up a hitchhiker in Ireland back in the, back in the day, and, and, and the guy was in, in, talking to him about how he was going through this conflict, that one parent was a Catholic, one parent was a Protestant, and, uh, there, and, and he, it was this contact with the guy that wrote this song. It was Bono. 
And, and um, years ago, my wife and I led a ministry team to Europe where we were sharing the gospel with about, I guess, 12 or 15 of us. And we were in an a, a entry-level hotel in Munich, Germany. And, and we, were, uh, we had a prayer meeting in, in our room. We called everybody in. And the chambermaid was actually in the room uh, fluffing the pillows and replacing our, our, our bath towels and stuff. And, and she was just taking a real long time. And I, I could see her in my peripheral vision. And i be honest, I was annoyed because I thought, but at least, you know, she's German and can't understand English. So we were given, I, but yet she was from Ireland, you guys. And she was actually, she said, she came to us with tears in her eyes. And she said, I, I just have to tell you, I've, come, I've been running away from God. I'm actually from Ireland, and I, I tried to get away from all of this and all you people. And then I've come all the way over here, and now here you are, <laughs> invading my, in my world on my job. And she knelt down by the bed, and, and she prayed. And, and uh, her name was Miriam. Yes. And uh, she, she's, she said she's from this little church in Ireland, and, and uh, she actually got married to one of the pastors named Fergus O'Regan. That sounds Irish, doesn't it? And Miriam and Fergus O'Regan. And Fergus knew these guys. And he said, yeah, he said, they came up to me and they said, all we want to do is win souls. And uh, they, 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 you know, I think about that height of the power of this rock and roll world. And, uh, you know, they, those guys, if you watch them, they, they've had some ups and downs, you know. But... Now they're, they're serious about God. In fact, I spoke at a church in Southern California that meets in an elementary school uh, in their little gym. And um, they, they told me that Bono had a bike accident in New York and he was convalescing and he went to the, and visited their little church with about 70 people yeah. and just sat in the back. So it just shows their sincerity there. But this, there's sincerity in this song. They're seeking in this song. It's different in contrast from Solomon. Solomon said, I've just tried everything and all his vanity and striving after the wind. Jesus said, on the other hand, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. So this is a hinge point. This is a crossroad for all of us. We look and we see a pandemic war over in the Ukraine. We just felt the pain when you gassed up at the gas to get gas to come to church. It hurt, didn't it? And, and we're dealing with things right now, you know, with the social distancing and all the issues and all the pressures and the volatility on society. Uh, nothing's new under the sun. But I want to tell you, even my personal testimony, my wife was going to college, putting herself through college, and she was with people that were preparing for their careers and climbing the ladder and, and who had become successful and were getting successful. And yet there was an, a hunger in her heart that she couldn't deny. And she prayed, God, if there's more, please show me. I, the same thing was happening to me. We didn't know each other yet. The same thing was happening to me. I felt that, uh, that need, that, that eternity, that void that, that can't be filled by any created thing. And I said, God, if you're real, show me. I was at an antique mall and I saw a cardboard box full of of old Missouri license plates. And I looked back and sure enough, I pulled the ones out on the bottom. It said the show me state, you know, and, and that's because we're people 
Kind of similar to the people in Ireland, the, the, that we'd be like sister cities with these guys. They've come out of a working class environment and they're, it's practical for them. And, and it's like, just show me. If, if it's real, I'll take it, you know? I, 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 want the, I want the authentic, I want the honest, I want, I want a, a real experience. And yet, you know, he's, even in his case, relationships, he said, I've kissed honey lips, felt the healing fingertips, and burn like fire, this burning desire. The, you know, I've spoke with the tongues of angels. I've held, I've held hands with the devil. It was warm in the night. I was cold as a stone, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And, and, and I, I think about this story in John where Jesus has just spoken to a CEO from a Fortune 500 company named Nicodemus. And this guy had such social pressure and such peer pressure that, that he came out at night in John chapter 3. He said, he said, hey, I could tell you're from God because of these miracles. And, and in, instead of Jesus saying, well, thank you, you know, and being flattered, or be, I, you know, he, he cut right through it and he said, you must be born again. You must be born again. And, and, and he goes, like, uh, how, how can a man enter into his mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus clarified something to him that I want you guys to understand today. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You see, in Acts chapter 17, the Bible says that from one man, he's made every nation under, under the sun. And he's ordered our times and the boundaries of our habitation. Yesterday, our church and the staff and the volunteers put together a beautiful Easter egg hunt. And it was jam-packed. I met someone who only spoke Spanish. They, all I understood was bunny. They were asking for the bunny rabbit for the son. The mom was, and then she looked over my shoulder and there was the bunny rabbit. So I, there was relief. She ran, you know. And, and, and I met people from India South, southern India. I said, do you speak Hindi? And they said they're what they do speak. They said, I live here in Chesterfield. I didn't even know this church was here because you don't have a... <laughs> so either we need to build a steeple or we've been here 30 years. We were better signage, you know. The, great, the best kept secret. But he said, I'm coming back. This is my wife and this is my daughter, you know. I'm coming back. So uh, I saw people from the nations... And, uh, and, and I just, you know, that's, this is what's happening here. Jesus is in this moment, and, and, and he had to go to Samaria. Samaria is right next door near Jerusalem, but it's, a, it's another place. It's, a, it's another part of town. It's another people group. And there's even a reinforcement here of 2,000 years ago, there was some division there. And it says here, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water from the well. Either Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was wearied from the journey. So he was sitting there, and he asked the woman for a drink. Verse 8 says, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, uh, being a Jew, Ask me for water since I am a Samaritan woman. It's like, this is, this doesn't happen. And um, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. It speaks of division. But of course, Jesus is here to build bridges and draw people and 
Whoever would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So here he is. He had to go to Samaria because God knew this lady was there. He had to pass through where he was because God knew Nicodemus was there. The, high, the man of high social ranking and you know, prominence and, and, and prosperity. And here's a woman that's having to carry this big old pot, earthen pot to go get water all alone out in the middle of the desert. And here she has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus answers in verse 10 and says to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Everybody say living water. Thank you. And she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. This well water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Church, can I hear an amen? amen. Thank you. What's that silence? It's the Presbyterian church I preached at. The pastor's preaching his heart out and nobody's responding. I feel sorry for him. He's talking about living water. He's talking about fulfillment. That which eluded Solomon, who had the best that there could be in natural terms. But Jesus is making himself available as he was then. He's making himself available today, 2022, over 2,000 years after this. We commemorate his death on Good Friday his sacrifice, his crucifixion on the cross. Paul said in Galatians 2, I've been crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. And he said, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Listen, guys, this isn't just for religious people on the weekend. This isn't just for people that are sort of prone to being in religion and they just need a crutch. Jesus isn't my crutch, he's the hospital bed. He's the whole hospital, he's my everything. He is so faithful that he shows up for this guy Nicodemus and then this lady that even starts out by saying, how can you being a Jewish man talk to me a Samaritan woman? There's so much, this is your breaking protocol. I'm, I'm an outcast, we, we, our, our races don't talk to each other. He didn't even bother with it. He cut right to it and he said, man, if you knew what I had for you, you'd ask me. And that's an important message. Because if you're a note taker, number one, we must admit our need. This lady came with an empty vessel to fill it up with practical physical water. But there was also an emptiness there. And that's why Jesus had to go to Samaria because he came to seek and save that which is lost. He was on an assignment from his father. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. And a good steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and Jesus certainly qualifies as a good man. No one is good but God only. And Jesus found his way to the man of prestige and honor, and he found the dismissed, dismissible woman uh, uh, of ill repute, but he 
gave her the same attention, the same quality love, the same lifeline, the same access, and had this wonderful conversation. There's a reward when we, have, we converse with Jesus. There's a payoff. There's, God answers prayer. Ask, seek, and knock, and it keeps happening. And, and so he's, Jesus says this about living water, and in verse 15, the woman said, Sir, give me this water. So she's, she's thirsty, but she's also spiritually thirsty. So I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. So then she's still going back and forth like Nicodemus. How can a man be born again and have to enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born again? It's like, what? Oy vey, you know? And then so he says, hey, look, go get your husband. Go tell your husband. Call him to come here. She clears her throat and answers, uh, yeah, I, Elizabeth Taylor, have no husband. Jesus said to her, oh, you said that correctly, Elizabeth Taylor. You have no husband, for you have had five husbands, but who's counting? And the one you're with now is not your husband. You have said this truly. The woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now notice what didn't happen here. Jesus didn't look at her and go, you sinner, you terminal dater, you've just gone through one, you've broken one covenant after the other. He didn't shame her. On the cross, he bore my shame. As part of what, one of the lyrics of what Bono wrote in this song. I, I, you, 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 I believe in kingdom come, then all the colors will bleed into one, bleed into one. Yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds and loosed the chains carried the cross of my shame, of my shame. You know I believe it. And God is nudging this lady like he's nudging us out of spiritual ambiguity, out of dismissiveness, out of somebody else will do that, forget about it, to personal accountability. And he's not doing it by condemnation. He's not doing it by shame. He's not doing it by finger pointing. He's doing it by magnetic invitation. He's saying, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who asked you for this water, you'd ask him, and guess what? He'd give you something, the likes of which you could never have in this world. Solomon had piles of silver, piles of gold, relationships galore, and yet he said it's empty, it's not satisfying. That's what these rock guys wrote in this simple song. And, and, and yet here Jesus is saying to her, go get your husband. So he continues to share and break out more things. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And, and, and he, he, he urges her, and she, she runs to her village, and she communicates, come see a man who told me all these things, everything about me. And, 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 and I'm, gonna get, I'm getting ahead of myself, but... Jesus, number two, if you're a note taker, offers true fulfillment. Jesus came to give life, and that much more abundantly. The thief comes, he's, the devil is a diminishing being. Yes, there is a devil. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life, and that much more abundantly. Back, way back at the very beginnings as a young youth pastor, I, I became aware of you two. I always appreciated when Jesus spilled over into popular culture 
and people use their platform not to shame us or criticize us or get political about things or tell us how to think, but when they would carry the culture of the kingdom out into their arena, whether it be business or education or, or whatever area of life, and in this case, these musicians. But I also found out that the bassist, the bass player, was an atheist. He proclaimed to be an atheist. So I, I was troubled as a young Christian as I prayed for these guys because uh, bad company corrupts good morals and um, we're not to be unequally yoked. But yet I prayed for that guy. Do you know, just as a quick aside, uh, Adam Clayton, the bass player, uh, in, in Sydney, Australia, uh, by his own admission, he, he, he'd gotten caught up in alcoholism and got so drunk and was so hungover, the band was rehearsing for a film. They were going to do a film, and uh, the, the, the bassist had the, the, the tech, the bassist tech, the guitar tech that took care of his basses knew the bass lines, and he had to fill in for him. The bass player was so ashamed. He, that was when he decided that alcohol isn't for me. It's not working out. I'm not controlling it right. So he became sober. Later, he got saved. Later, Adam Clayton gave his life to Jesus. And I actually was watching a documentary, and he had become the pastor of the band. And... Uh, they, they, it was an amazing thing, and it touched my heart so deeply as a Christian because, you know, you have a villa in Nice, France, and you have hundreds of millions of dollars, and you fill up arenas, and everything you touch turns to gold. And, you know, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, and yet with God, all things are possible because the Holy Spirit can convict us whether we're in high times or hard times whether our economics are nil or whether we're in superabundance. Jesus has given us all the capacity to have eternity in our hearts. Whatever nation we're from, what, male or female, whatever age bracket, boomers, Generation X, Generation Z, millennials, whatever the new names are, God is correspondent to each moment. He is faithful to a thousand generations. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He unlocked the keys for Nicodemus 2,000 years ago, and the next, and without losing a step, is there available out in the, the sooty, dark, deserty moment of, the, of the, the, the well of Jacob and having this encounter with this marginalized lady who's been through dysfunction and disappointment in relationships, kissed honey lips, and didn't, yet didn't have fulfillment, going through relationship after relationship. Solomon was going through all these ideas, trying to figure out what the value of life is, and the, the son of David, Jesus, comes in on the scene, and he said, I'm going to offer you fulfillment. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from sin and its consequences. But you got to admit your need and be willing to repent. Uh, and the, he offers that fulfillment to those who will say, I'm going to let this go and I'm going to pick this up. And, and, and we have to make a choice. Number three, we are volitional, decisional people. He lays before us life and death, the blessing and the curse. He said, choose life so that you and your descendants may live. You have no idea how much I obsessed over which tie and shirt I should wear today. <laughs> and uh, 
And then, it, you know, I finally reached my conclusion and didn't I make a great decision? Thank you. Even the Presbyterians like my tie, I guess. We have to make choices, you know. And uh, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who asked you for water, you'd ask him. Now, one verse says, you have not because you ask not. I see a dismissiveness in my world, and I'm disturbed by it. I see uh, the enemy just trying to lull us to sleep or distract us with so many worries and cares or get us caught up in other things. But I'm telling you today, you guys, of course, I'm a preacher, and I'm going to share and communicate the gospel, and it's good news. And the good news is that God has set eternity in our hearts it's a God-shaped puzzle piece that only Jesus can fill. But be assured of this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will not be disappointed. There is so much contentment deficit disorder in our world right now. We live in Western society, and you can see the devil seizing upon and attacking even our amazing republic based on freedoms. I'm trying to chip away at it because the devil is so wicked and he's such a, a misery-oriented being, and misery demands company. But Jesus came to pull us out of the clutches of that deception. And he said, if you knew what I had for you, you'd ask me for it, and I would freely give it to you. He'd give it to the high and mighty, prestigious Nicodemus, which, by the way, when he was in quiet, he said, hey, if, if you're the... What's going on, Jesus? At night. And Jesus didn't go, listen, buster... You're, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Look at you. You're just out here hiding. I'm not even going to talk to you. No, Jesus did talk to him because Jesus is so amazing. He's so major. He's so, he's so complete. And, and, and he's, he's different from fallen humanity. He's not subject he, he's different. He subjected himself and, became, and humbled himself and came in to rescue us. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number four, there are results in coming to Jesus. There are results. By conversing with Jesus at the well, she actually had a spiritual experience. She got something. She's so rich, she said to others, she wanted to spread it. She said, come see a man. Come see a man. And um, a, a, who told me all the things that I have done. All, all he told her was, hey, you said that right, honey. You've been married five times, and the guy you're shacking with, it's not your husband. <laughs> come see a man who told me everything about myself. Uh, this is not the Christ, is it? it and and she's, she's on the creek bank. She's slipping in. You're on the creek bank. You're slipping in. Jesus talked to one guy, and he turned to him, and he said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. God knows our process. He knows where we're at. I, I think Adam Clayton, with that atheism for years, going through all the rock and roll and all the fame and, you know, dating supermodel Naomi Campbell and all this bleaching his hair blonde and all that stuff, you know, nerdy bass players, Mr. Mr. Posh, 
hundreds of millions of dollars at his fingertips and comes to know the Lord. Makes sense to me. Tells me about my Jesus being patient and giving opportunity after opportunity and throwing a lifeline to all of us, each one of us, all you and me, all of us. I like this song because even in my Christian experience, we go through trials and challenges, don't we? And let's just be honest. It, this is an honest, ba- honesty-based movement. This, is a, this, is, this isn't denial. It's like we're not, hey, everybody, everything's great. Not everything is great all the time. Bible, the psalmist said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. If you knew the gift of God and you knew the scope of things and you knew the depth of, if you were made aware of the provision of God and, and, and you allowed him to enter in and seep into the parched places of your life. You ever, need, you ever get so thirsty you just were parched? I'll illustrate a story. A small boy is sent to bed by his dad and uh, five minutes later he calls out, Dad, 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 what? What? I'm thirsty. Can you bring me a drink of water? Who, who knows this boy? <laughs> no, says the dad. No. You had your chance, Buster, and it's bedtime. Lights out. Five minutes later. Dad. 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 What? I'm thirsty. Can you bring me a drink of water? Look, I told you no. If you ask me again, I'm going to have to spank you. Five minutes later, he calls out, Dad, 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 what? When you come in to spank me, can you bring a drink of water? Right? Now, Nicodemus deserved a spanking for trying to privatize things, and the woman at the well, I mean, she's like, on dating.com, you know. But Jesus comes in and goes, hey, look, man, I didn't come to condemn. I came to save. I came to forgive. I came to fulfill. I came to enrich. My father sent me on a mission to seek and save that which is lost. Boy, did I respond to this as a teenager. Today, I just met a kid. He just turned 16 on Easter. I became a Christian when I was 16 years old. And it was by a Vietnam veteran telling me about the Lord, telling me about how he fell into heroin addiction in the Southeast Asia to cope with hand-to-hand combat and how he got dishonorably discharged, came back to a thankless nation. He cheated on his wife during all the immorality, drug, sex, and rock and roll, and she left him. He told me he tried Eastern religions, which were popularized in the time, coincidentally by rock stars from Britain, and he said none of it fulfilled him. He took a breath and he told me, but Jesus changed my life. And when he told me, it just went, frankly, it went right over my head. I had no personal experience for that. And here's what I said to him, 16-year-old philosophy person. All of a sudden, I said, I'm glad you found something for yourself. And I said, I believe there are many paths to God. So I had bought into relativism, pluralism. I didn't even know how to pronounce them or spell them. I think there are many paths to God, you know. 
He said, I used to think that too. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. There's salvation in no other. There's no one like this rescuer. These, some of these great world religions, to be sure, have interesting philosophies and elements of truth. There's truth because there's falsehood. There's truth elsewhere and falsehood. But yet Jesus is the truth. And he is the way. He is the door. He is fully God and fully man. And he came to destroy the work of the devil and to tear humanity out of his clutches. But we've got to admit our need. We've got to understand that what Jesus is offering us, a lifeline of fulfillment. We've got to make the choice. And we've got to understand their results in coming to Jesus. And we need to lastly, and this is what I want to close with, accept the challenge like this woman to go tell others. He said, go get your husband. Jesus was giving her living water and said, go tell others. And look at what it says in verse 39 of chapter 4 of John. He says, from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him, trusted him, relied on him, confessed their sins, confessed and acknowledged him as Lord, received him because of the word of the woman who testified. Because of the word of the woman who testified. This is the calling. When Fergus O'Regan talked to us, and who was married to Miriam, she went back and she rededicated her life to the Lord and got married to one of the assistant pastors. And he, he said, yeah, these guys, were, they were all in the Shalom Church. And he said, we just, Fergus, we just want to win more people to the Lord. After the 9-11 attack, they were invited to do the Super Bowl halftime, and they sang Streets With No Name, and uh, scrolled up on the walls. I was there. Scrolled up on, I was up in the nosebleed, but I could, they, a projection projected the names of all those who lost their lives in the 9-11 attack. And uh, it scrolled. You could feel the letters. They were on, your, on all of our bodies and then up on the wall, up to the ceiling. And they sang the song, which was about Ethiopian refugee camps that had streets with no name, but also heaven. And uh, our, one of our technicians in the church read his lips. And he, said, he said, Lord, please fill my mouth with your praises. We... Uh, a friend of mine who's since passed worked in the White House under George W. Bush, bought us some tickets to see this band at, in town here at the arena for the, the Vertigo tour. And it was a rousing show. It was amazing, actually, especially when they got to a, a, a song called 40. And it's about, I will wait upon the Lord. It was a hymn. And all through the building, people of all ages, all ethnicities, both genders, had their hands raised. People had tears running down their face. Jesus visited the rock concert. Jesus will visit upon us at Easter because he's alive. He's risen. 
He visited upon Nicodemus so many years ago, and he visited upon this woman to let us know the whole spectrum of all of our life experience. Jesus takes it all into consideration, and he loves us with an everlasting love, and he's drawn us with his loving kindness. What's not to, what's not to love about Jesus? Lay aside the lesser notions. Lay aside your petty arguments. Put aside the allure of the garbage that's trying to assail us. You can't take it with you. Solomon's, if he could speak, which he's, though he's dead, he still speaks through the scriptures. Hey, guys, all these vain pursuits are overrated, man. It's all a carrot dangling off the front. But I'm telling you, the truth will set you. You know the truth, and that truth will literally set us free. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I heard you sing, and it was really good. And you're bought in. I know a lot of you are, but there might be, some of you might be like I was so many years ago. I was, I was religious, I believed in God, but I wasn't right with God. A religious, just going through religious, it, it, you could still, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But a relationship, a new birth, a spirit of adoption, where you're accepted in the beloved. If anyone is in Christ, he or she becomes a brand new creation. The old things pass away and all things become new. So from this city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. You know, there's, there's a discomfort sometimes. I, you don't talk about religion or politics. Well, they're talking a lot about politics right now. We might as well talk about Jesus. Oh, don't talk about religion or politics. But not, you know, but notice, you're going to hell, you sinner. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, I look, I see, I know your marriage. I see all you've been married by. You're, you're shacking up. He said, well, you said that right. He affirmed her. And instead of shutting her down with guilt and shame, he came to bear our sin. Yeah. Right? And he wants us to testify about it. So... Here's how we're gonna close. Proverbs says, the eyes of a man are never satisfied. But in Acts chapter 17, he says, God's wanting us to seek God if perhaps we might find, grope for him though he is not far from each one of us. His availability, I hope I've preached this so you understand it. I didn't come here to embellish to impress you. It's Easter, man. We're jam-packed. 2020, we had Easter online. For four months, we didn't gather because we were told not to gather. So then, but yet the Bible says it's not biblical to forsake assembling. There's some assembly required. We're social beings, man. We need each other. We're like a... We're, Christians are like a bunch of porcupines, you know, we all, it's, so, it's such a cold world, so we huddle together, but then we stick each other with our spines, you know, it's like we back into each other, so we, you know, so nothing's perfect, but it's better than being isolated and freezing cold. And Scott Richard, we were at a camp, the drummer, and, and we were at a camp out, a, a church retreat, and, and, and he said, you notice when we stand by the bonfire, it was freezing cold, like it was in the sunrise service. It was cold. 
I preached fast. <laughs> he said, when you, you notice that when you're standing by the fire, that if the farther away from it you get, the colder you get. So you got to kind of cozy up and warm up. This lady got in proximity to Jesus. Nicodemus went to, to seek him. And I want to encourage you today, don't let uh, spiritual ambiguity be the theme of your life. Don't distance yourself from the Savior who bothered to suffer and die on the cross for your sins and mine. Seek him. Open up to him. Prepare the way of the Lord. Get, get your life ready uh, for the big adventure. We, we've got words from an Irish pop band basically saying, hey man, I believe in the kingdom come. I believe that when, when all the colors bleed into one, I, I, and I know, and I'm still running. The Bible says to run with endurance. I'm speaking to a number of groups of people and gradations and variables of your journey. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what you're going through. He loves you. There was an op-ed in the New York Times yesterday. Uh, somebody said, now would it be a good time to completely dismiss God? And it's like, it's Passover and it's Easter. Your timing is ridiculous. <laughs> but, and, and saying, well, there's war. Look how harsh and cruel God is. No, people, well, if God's really good, why all this suffering? Well, no, since God is good, Listen, it could have been a whole lot worse. He sent his son into this depravity and this darkness, in this cavernous fallen condition, and suffered and died. And this is why we're celebrating Easter, because he's alive. And I heard a song, and it says, I know the tomb is in empty because I know my heart is filled. And today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, don't look to the right or left to see what other people are going to do. I want to encourage you. You singularly are going to have to answer to God and stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to have to stand before him. And, and, and if you're under his mercy and love, man, you, you, get a, you get a don't go to jail, pass. Hallelujah. Whew. And that's the message. Let's bow our heads and let's just thank you, Father, for this privileged moment we have to come into this place and come to terms with this truth. I pray for the faithful that they get more on fire for God and more equipped and more strengthened than they've ever been. I pray for the people that have dabbled and that are considering Jesus for themselves that God, this will be a more thorough step in which will lead to a better pace. Lord, I'm asking you to help us to lay aside the weights the encumbrances, the worries and the fears that would try to entangle us and the sin that so easily besets us in order that we may run with endurance and, God, that we may live in a manner worthy and pleasing to you. Clean up our act, Lord. Please help us out. Our tendencies of flesh and our thought processing can become so off at times. So help us, Lord. Who in here would say, I need help from God? That's the number one. We've got to admit our need. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, our country needs you. 
the nations, all that these flags represent, God, you, the, the Ukraine over there, the yellow and the blue flag, move on that nation, Lord. Move amongst the people. Move all over the world, oh God, and cover. I pray America would be saved. I pray a harvest amongst the lost and a revival in the church. Put your hand on your heart. Bow your head with me. I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. Today, if you're under conviction and you haven't taken action and you haven't gotten around to it, I I feel like this is an opportunity for you to get around to it. Today, open up your life just like a door. He's knocking on the door of your heart. The symbolism, just open up. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. He desires no one to perish, but all to come to eternal life. So I'm praying that God will move where you're alerted. If there's any slight, even inkling or prompting, act on it, act on it. Don't let the devil steal this moment. Take action. Take a vital step. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask him. Trust him right now. Ask him, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me white as snow. You provide a new beginning. Boy, do I need it. I receive it. I believe for it. Cover my family. Cover our cover our neighborhoods. Cover our country, Lord. Do a miracle. Do a series of miracles, Lord. I pray it would never be the same. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, today is my day to take action, to be a doer of your word. Lord Jesus, I respect you. I honor you. I want you. Though I don't deserve it, I receive forgiveness. I receive your mercy. I accept Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. My Redeemer lives. Blessed be the name of the Lord.